This is CliffCentral.com. Is this thing on? You're listening to The Bounce Show. It's live. Well, not this bit, but it's live on CliveCentral.com. Um, it's Cliff Central, Platt. <clears throat> Sorry, scrap that, delete it. CliffCentral.com. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of The Bounce Show. This will be the third last edition of The Bounce Show for 2017. December's rattling on here and I'm going to take a break around sort of like the just before Christmas. So lots to catch up on before the year is out. And uh, one such thing that I promised you was ca- catching up on my interviews from the Gary Play Invitational. So a couple of weeks back, I got invited to the Gary Play Invitational. Such a fantastic event with really amazing people, so well organized, so well run. And this year they raised 3.2 million rand for charity. It really is an incredible coming together of like-minded people, all giving back. And uh, the Player Foundation, Player Foundation beneficiaries, um, well, they... Gary does, I think, about five or six of these events around the world, and uh, such is his work that it looks like he is aiming for the billion rand mark as far as money raised for his beneficiaries. It's just incredible. The guy is just tireless when it comes to following things that are close to his heart, and to see it all in, in play at this event a couple of weeks ago, it was uh, it was a true privilege. It really was. But while I was there, I got to interview some ex-soccer greats. Uh, we spoke about the upcoming Football World Cup, of course, and last Friday was the draw. So this show is going to be mostly about that. But just to touch on the rugby, I'm currently en route to Cape Town. And, uh, well, it's, it's the Cape Town Sevens. I've never been, I'm massively excited about this. I've been to the Dubai Sevens before, and that was one of my greatest ever sporting occasions. It was so much fun. And, uh, of course, the Blitzbox won that day, just like they won last weekend. They really do have a good run at that tournament, along with Fiji. But the box, the Blitzbox really are in top right now. And they're going to Cape Town as overwhelming favorites. So I'm really looking forward to seeing something exciting rugby-wise this year. Because I went to a few box tests. Can't say I was overwhelmed or with, with joy, overcome with joy. And obviously, I watched a fair amount of games. Didn't actually watch last weekend. It was my birthday. I decided to play golf instead. I didn't want another box disaster to dampen my day and a disaster it was even though it was a narrow result they lost 24 22 they lost to a welsh side that was very much a second string team so enough about that let's not talk about that we've got enough negativity around this box team right now and of course as good cs still has a job he probably still have a job for a longer while still will sorry have the balls to get rid of him will he have the balls to resign uh definitely no on the latter not sure on the former when it comes to those two questions but let's not talk about rugby let's talk about football most importantly let's talk about the the sorry the football world cup as the draw took place last friday before i get into the actual groups if you haven't heard them yet um ever wondered why certain teams are put into certain pots and there's certain pots into certain pools well this is why what a great interesting video by this woman with a lovely speaking voice Have you ever wondered how the World Cup draw works? Well, we've put together this handy guide for you. 32 teams will join us in Russia and they've been divided into four team pots, with each pot containing eight of the qualified teams. The allocation of which team goes into which pot is based on ranking. So those teams ranked highest are in pot one, and those with the lowest ranking are in pot four. The only exception is Russia who as hosts are automatically seeded for the draw and therefore in pot one. We'll draw the pots one at a time, starting with pot one and ending with pot four, with pot one being emptied in its entirety before we move on to pot two, then pot three, and finally pot four. 
As teams are drawn, they will populate the groups alphabetically from Group A through to Group H. The teams in Pot 1 will all occupy number one position in each group, from Group A through to Group H. So A1, then B1, then C1, and so on. As Russia are hosts, they'll automatically go into the first position in Group A. The rest of the teams are drawn out randomly. So let's start to build a draw. And don't forget, this is not the real thing. The teams in pots 2, 3 and 4 will be placed in one of the other positions in the group where they are drawn. Those positions are not predetermined. When a team is drawn in a group, a ball will be drawn to decide exactly their number in that group. No two teams from the same confederation can be placed in the same group, so some of the teams in pots 2, 3 and 4 may need to skip groups in order to ensure that everything works out geographically. The exception, of course, is Europe, which has 14 qualified teams. So each group shall contain at least one and at most two European teams. All right. Thank you, lady, with lovely speaking voice. We get the point. Before we get too hypothetical, there's no need because we have the draw right here. So Russia, because they're host, they were put into that first pot. So they have Group A, where they've got Saudi Arabia, Egypt and Uruguay. So the first match will take place, I think it's June, yeah, June 14th. Thursday, June 14th, that will be Saudi Arabia versus Russia. That's the first one. Group B sees Portugal, Spain, Morocco and Iran. Of course, whenever these, these pools get thrown out there, everyone talks about a group of death. But yeah, I think there's quite a few. They're quite spread over. They're not, there's no overwhelming group of death here. They're all pretty, pretty difficult. Group C's got France, Australia, Peru, and Denmark. So France, who are very much favorites for this tournament, along with, say, Brazil, and I guess Germany as well. You can't discredit them defending champs. They're in Group C. Group D, we've got Argentina, Iceland, Croatia, and Nigeria. Group E sees Brazil, Switzerland, Costa Rica, and Serbia. Group F has Germany, Mexico, Sweden, and Korea. That's the good Korea, the south one. G has uh, Belgium. Remember North Korea were actually in 2010. Those guys, I think that they beat everyone 20-0, according to North Korean press. Anyway, different story. Group G sees Belgium, Panama, Tunisia, and England. And then Group H has Poland, Senegal, Colombia, and Japan. Those are your groups. Um, pretty exciting here. The World Cup, look, if you like football or not, when the World Cup comes around, you can't help but feel excited. And July 15th will be the final, which will be, well, I don't know. I haven't related to the groups just yet. But July 15th is your World Cup final, and it all kicks off on June 14th. So, the final are not there. And that is obviously pretty sad. And, you know, as much as we love to bitch and moan on Twitter and really get irate about stuff and just have a whole mob mentality towards what's wrong, at the Gary Play Invitational in the last couple of weeks, I got to chat to Matthew Booth, who, first of all, I sat him down for a one-on-one interview. And, well, the guy was just, he nailed the interview. I asked him two or three questions, and he was solid gold. Went back to the hotel room plugged in uh, my memory stick to the computer and the interview looked good because I was actually filming it as well for visual purposes. It looked good, but there was no sound, absolutely nothing. Oh, so embarrassing. So this poor guy, I then had to like stalk him the next day and say, look, Matthew, I'm really sorry, but uh interview yesterday was really, really fantastic. Small problem though. My lapel mic doesn't seem to actually want to listen to you. So, you know, it's such a great guy. He decided like, he said, ah, no problem. These things happen. And he sat down again with me. Apologies for the background noise. I am interviewing him at a packed clubhouse. Unfortunately, on the Saturday, it rained like the whole day. 
So in particular, Darren Clark and his group were getting pretty hammered behind us. So it was a pretty lively atmosphere in the Lost City Clubhouse. So here's Matthew Booth with a fair amount of background noise. Oh, sorry. And he's talking about Bafana Bafana. Uh, the lapel mic's on him, so you won't hear me asking him questions. It'll just be Matthew Booth talking about Bafana, who he believes from the African continent is worth watching this World Cup and who he thinks is the overall favorite for World Cup Russia 2018. I think the, the, the problem goes a lot deeper than uh, Bafana Bafana. I think we, we have to look at uh, amateur levels and uh, LFA levels in particular. Um, people ranting and raving about Bafana is really not going to help the, the issue. Um, you can, I feel that you can continue to spend millions on the, on the team. You can bring in Jose Mourinho if you wanted, but I don't think it would really affect our performance. Um, because although we've got quality players, don't get me wrong about that, the depth and the, the number of quality players um, is a big issue. There are certain positions in our team which are short of, of competition. Uh, right back, our right back position, uh, perhaps our, our striking department, you know. So if you want to compete with your Senegals, if you want to compete with uh, the North African teams, we have to create greater depth. And I'm afraid our nursery uh, is not looking very healthy. Um, we have centralized our football. So we have pockets of football in our metros, which are pretty well organized and, 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 and healthy. But for a country of 55 million, uh, I think we need to start decentralizing our football and creating centers of excellence uh, all around the country. Um, you know, so I, I think ultimately that is the problem and we have to implement, and the word implement is very important here, uh, a policy um, which is holistic and that is countrywide uh, and that is long term. Unfortunately, we have politicians uh, involved in our sport and they don't believe in long term projects, perhaps because they don't, uh, they don't think they will reap the, the benefits in 10 or 15 years time. In a nutshell, I think that's the, that's the real issue. Yeah, I think in 2018, um, having watched uh, Bafana's group quite closely, I can't help but think that Senegal would do well. Um, uh, I'm a little bit biased because I'm a West Ham supporter, so the likes of uh, you know Sako and Kuyate, uh, I'm certainly hoping will 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 not only boost West Ham's performances, but also uh, I'm sure they're going to have a positive influence for Senegal. Sadio Mane is uh, world class and you need players who are just that little bit more special than others and uh, he's certainly one of them. So Senegal will be one. Uh, I, th I feel that the North African teams are a little bit too one-dimensional. There's very few players there that you know who will just be able to spark the team to go on to, to, to kick up into the next level you know to get them past the quarters and semis, so sending off for me. And internationally, who's your overall pick for Russia 2018? Uh, look, a lot of focus will be on the hosts. Um, I doubt they will have um, much in store. In fact, I'll probably put their 
put money on them to go out uh, to be probably the second host nation to to, to not progress in history. Uh, England, for me, funny enough, they they youngsters uh, in their team. This is quite unprecedented because for a long time England uh, haven't had this kind of talent, you know, and ability in their squad. Whether experience will be there or lack of experience will be their undoing, I'm not sure, but I, I think they will surprise many. Uh, and then, of course, they, you know, the likes of Brazil are looking very, very good. I mean, uh, they were so comfortable in their, in their group. Um, it was unbelievable. And South America is not a, it, it's certainly a tough nut to, to crack. So, without wanting to sound boring or, you know, cliched, Brazil for me uh, are my favourites. Great getting the thoughts of the ex-players. Obviously, they can speak a lot more frankly than they did when they were actually playing. And he makes some real pertinent points around Bafana and the kind of ills of that system. And uh, yeah, with all the people that are playing football in this country, the fact that we just cannot get a team that's going to contest globally, or at least just get into the World Cup, is rather sad. So for Matthew Booth, I chatted to Mark Fish, also just such a great guy, so giving of his time and hugely insightful. Also a keen golfer, he was there at the Gary Play Invitational, and this is what he had to say about the current Pafana Wars and who to look out for at World Cup 2018. Well, I think uh, it's, this is a period of time, and it, you know, we just now recently, when I say recently, the last African Champions League champions were, were Mamelodi Sundowns. We've got Super Sport uh, in the final now, the CAF Confederations Cup final. So slowly, South African teams are taking a little bit more serious the continent. And when we start con- uh, conquering the continent uh, continuously, or, or getting into semi-finals, quarter-finals. Um, in the last stages of, of uh, the competitions, then we'll start stamping authority as at, from a club level, um, and then I think that will roll into the national team. You know, when you say inconsistency, we unfortunately, you know, we beat um, Nigeria in an Afcon qualifier, and everyone was all excited. Beat Nigeria in Nigeria, we came back. Um, and we lost to Cape Verde home and away in a World Cup qualifier. You certainly cannot lose World Cup qualifiers at home and think you're going to qualify for a World Cup. Then we had a Burkina Faso um, result which gave us all, made us all excited and got um, everyone all passionately supporting Bafana Bafana again. And unfortunately, they, the team, the, I think the mental state of the team um, let us down because, you know, at the end of the day, you can never think that any player will go out and not give 100%. So the players will go out and give all their best because every single player, whenever you play, you want to go out and win a football match. But the inconsistency, I think you, you will never get in consistency in Bafana Bafana because if you look at 92, we got reinstated to world football. Uh, 25 years later, we've had, I think, nearly 25 coaches coaching Bafana Bafana. We had probably about 350 players, 350, 400 players representing the national team. Um, but a lot of the federation, Sovereign Federation, is still there and thereabout, you know. So a lot of things haven't changed at the top. And if, the, if those things don't get sorted out, it filters down to the bottom. And, you know, if you look how South is run, um, then it is worrying because I don't think anything else will, will run as it should be doing, uh, you know, filtered down to the lower leagues and the lower, lower um, um, age groups. 
in our in our national team. So inconsistency is gonna it's gonna be there for a long time because I don't think we're doing enough from the top filtering down to change that. Um, you know, our national teams are qualifying for World Cups under 17, under 20, but uh, we're not we're qualifying, but we're not going there and competing. We yeah, we're competing by playing matches, but we're not going there to to make a make a stand and say this is South Africa. We are South Africa, and we get to to um, you know hopefully lift these trophies. So. A lot of things need to change at the top. I do think a lot of um, ex-players or and current players, ex-coaches, current coaches, um, people that are passionate about football, um, need to come together and and, and put a, a map out or map out a plan for our national team so that we understand at a national t- at a national team level when you're playing, and I use under 15 because the age of 15 and you go under 17s and under 20. When you get into the age of 15, you know what it is to be playing for your national team, you know what it stands for, what the shirt means, and also what style of football. Uh, we all say we've got a South African style, we've got our own style. What style is that? We don't, I don't think we have a, a style because we're having so many other coaches that keep coming in and want to play to their style, which is natural. Any coach wants to play to their style of football and use the players to, to play the t- style of football that, that they want to play. So, you know, you can't have consistency if you keep changing coaches. Um, and I think it's very difficult to, to imagine Bafana Bafana uh, in the future, uh, in the near future, going and qualifying for major to- uh, tournaments. Well, I think, uh, you know, the, the, is, um, the football, is it moving back to North, North Africa? You know, seeing Morocco, Egypt and Tunisia qualify. Uh, you know, Egypt and, and Morocco especially haven't qualified for a long time for a World Cup. They've qualified now. Morocco is on a high, you know, wide Casablanca winning the African Champions League. So I think they in a momentum. Egyptian football is always, you know, they've dominated the continent um, for many years at club level and obviously at, at FCONs, but haven't had the opportunity. But that's, I think, through the last 10 years, probably political situation in the country. So now they're finding themselves. and. North African football is the closest that you'll get to European-style football. Um, they are always well-organized. They play to a system. They look like the win, uh, win, which whoever they go and play, they're going to compete. So, you know, they that the, those three countries look strong. Nigeria on any given day, you know, Nigerian uh, and well, Senegal's obviously you know beat us to qualify, but especially Nigeria. I think Nigeria have always had, had, had the talent on any given day. Uh, you saw in their last friendly, they beat Argentina four-two. Um, on any given day, they they just that they got that t- sort of talent and ability that can beat anyone. So, you know, all the African teams are going there to represent uh, the African continent, and I would like to think that we would do we we're going to start doing a little bit better at the at the World Cups. Um, but I, you know, out of all the teams, I, I I can't pick out any single one that I think is going to go and do better than the other one. I think that obviously we'll wait for the draw, and uh, you know, whichever group they get drawn in, then then we can have a have a different look of how we think. We, the, the team is going to do just chatting to guys like that always makes me wonder like what could be possible if we didn't have the same rotten politicians and administrators running sport in south africa there are two guys that know exactly what it takes to play at the highest level what exactly it takes and what players go through week in week out to try and stay at that level and yet you got these horrible suits these rotten kind of administrators who are just stifling talent and they're stifling progress for the nation as a football entity so uh, Bafana not going to the World Cup, uh, either or Holland. Now, if you remember back in 2010, Holland were pretty good. They made it to the final, did they not? I don't know. It's a long time ago. I was drinking heavily in 2010. Um, 
So Ruth Kullet was there. Now Ruth Kullet, we all know him of the Chelsea legend, PSV legend, the Dutch legend. Also, he was on a beer advert here. So I mean, he knows the country well. We know of him, well, know a fair amount about him. Also, a very keen golfer. So I caught up with him on the driving range at the Gary Play Invitational and just got his thoughts as to why it was that Holland failed to get up for this. We know that they missed out on the European Championships recently as well, but to miss out the World Cup really is kind of sad, and Russia will be a whole lot less orange as a result. Here's Ruth Kullet. Uh, you know, the thing is, we lost uh, games that we shouldn't lose. I think the one uh, away from Bulgaria was the ba- the worst game we played. Um, and it started also when they had the wrong coach in the beginning. Uh, it was not his fault, you know, he was chosen and uh, didn't click. Then they put another one that didn't click. And then they asked Tigat Foucault to come in, in, a, in a moment that was desperate. Nobody wanted to do the job because everybody thought that it was impossible. Um, Dick uh, asked me also to, to be with him and it was a, it was a nice experience. And uh, We calculated that maybe if we only lose one game, maybe against France, which you can lose, and winning the rest that we could qualify. It happened, we won all the games, but uh, uh, the Swedes won 8-0 against Luxembourg and uh, we couldn't uh, win 6-0 against, <laughs> against, uh, against the Swedes. So, therefore, uh, it was a disappointment. Um, nevertheless, uh, winning all these games gave uh, Holland, uh, again, a lot of uh, confidence. And I think that the future is okay. Yeah, I certainly think too much has been made. Um, you know, take away the uh, severe result of the night. Defensive people looked okay. I think there was, um, there was certain things needed to be addressed early in the season. I think Jürgen Klopp's done that. Uh, I think if you look in the Champions League, the goals per games against has relatively not been too bad. Uh, and over the, um, the last month or so, I think the league form's been okay. We've been scoring goals. All right, we've conceded one or two, but so have most clubs in the Premier League. But just because of what happened early in the season, everyone makes a big thing about Liverpool's defence. I think it's a bit unfair, if I'm being totally honest. Um, I think the results-wise, Liverpool are doing really well. Champions League is still in our hands. You know, I think we still should qualify. Um, I think if you'd have said before the uh, start of the campaign, you know, you've got a, a home game to, to qualify, you know, and finish top of the group. I think you know everyone would have took that. Um, but look, you know, it is. I think it's just people. Yeah, pe- people maybe just making you know a little bit too much out of it. Look, we know there was uh, problems early in the season but I think it was addressed like any supporter of any club you know you always want your club to sign players whether it be defenders midfielders or attackers you know even goalkeepers because uh, you always want your club to grow um, and that's the same with every every Liverpool supporter you know no one's no one's really you know up in arms about you know the, the team Jürgen plays uh, Liverpool fans you want Liverpool to win um, so whoever plays you know the fans are totally 100% behind them um, look, and questions will will be asked by you know certain certain fellas or, or ladies in the, within the media. But look, that's the job. You know, they've got to ask questions. Um, you know, Jurgen Klopp can only pick a team, go out there and try and get the results. Uh, and look, you know, it, it's it's been it's been better than what people are thinking. You know, Liverpool play today against Chelsea. You know, if they win, they're, they're still they're still in the mix. Yeah, look, money's money's a big thing. You know, but you've got to spend it right. You know, you've got to get uh, certainly good managers. Uh, you're behind what you're trying to achieve. Uh, you know, they spent good money on good players. You know, and you can't really argue with that. You know, I think uh, any probably any supporters of any club in the world would would you know would, would love that. 
Um, you look at the form, certainly City this year in the Premier League, I mean, they've been, they're the team to beat. I think every, any team who finishes above them will, uh, will probably win the Premier League. Um, City this year in the Champions League, I think, are better equipped to go further. Um, and ironically, you know, I was asked at the start of the season who would win the Champions League, and I actually tipped Man City. Uh, with peace, uh, excuse me, <coughs> with PSG to uh, run them close. So um, yeah, I mean, what you've said is probably uh, it's not far from the truth, actually. Um, well, obviously, maybe in England, I'd, I'd love to say England, but I, sadly, I don't know if that'll be the case. Um, I think France will be strong. France, uh, France will be a good team. You know, Spain, Spain will be good again. I think. I mean, you look at all the um, all the normal teams. You know, when I say normal teams, all the ones who are there or thereabouts, probably most World Cups, most European Championships. Uh, so France, for me, will be strong. They'll they'll have a they'll have a good World Cup. Fun fact: Robbie Fowler has married really well, very 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 well. So those were the, uh, the pick of the clips from my time at the Gary Play Invitational. Again, such an amazing amazing event. They raised three point two million rand for the Player Foundation beneficiaries this year. Part of Gary Player's global global charity efforts really i know there's an event in england there's an event in america there's one in abu dhabi there's one in china gary is still traveling the globe and he's always just he's just such a legend he really is i know people have mixed views over mr player for various reasons and sure you know he mouths off a whole bunch about a lot of things but the guy is still an absolute force to be reckoned with and he's 82 82 and um I don't know if this event, I don't know what kind of longevity it has, you know, if he's not going to be as actively involved, but just seeing how people light up when he enters a room and when he's in their presence and how all these sports stars from various sporting codes and backgrounds and different careers, they all see, take such, such delight in talking to him. And Gary, to his credit, I know, like, I don't think I'm going to be around when I'm 82. And if I am, I'm going to be grouchy as all hell. Gary's got time for people and he's got insights for people. Sorry, he's got he's got insights for people, and it's just it's just a very very special event to go to, and it's an event that I feel hugely privileged to have attended. That was my third one, a uh, bit of a gap. I went to two, and then I missed five years. And now this one, anyway, it's a fantastic event. I'm going to be posting more about this event on my YouTube channel in this coming coming weeks. Uh, the YouTube channel's gone a little bit a little bit quiet of late, I know. Um, this last week, I did actually post another thing from the Gary Player Invitational, and that was my three-part interview series with Maps Maponyani. I'm going to start doing more interviews of a visual nature. So Maps was my first kind of, uh, well, test case. He <laughs> sat down with me during the big rain delay on the Saturday. So if you go into, it's at Follow the Bounce uh, on YouTube, you can find my three-part series there with Maps. Very, very insightful guy, very entertaining interview. And we cover so much. We cover sports, relationships, uh, careers, getting ahead, being smart, technology, so much stuff. Originally, we we're going to sit down and just talk about creating online content. About half an hour later, we had, uh, yeah, quite a lot of stuff, hence the three part series. So that's wrapping things up in the Gary Play Invitational. Uh, more, the actual Gary Play Invitational video will be come out on the YouTube channel pretty soon. I've got some insane drone shots. I've also got some virtual reality stuff, which I'm going to be putting together for it as well. I got to spend some time with Brandon Stone on the range. I also had a great interview with him, but, uh, my lapel mic also didn't work for that one. And that was a good solid nine minutes of the most frank golfing insights you ever had. But I'll hopefully be able to get him on this show in the new year. Brandon's just a fantastic guy. Still so young, but it's just such a great guy to chat to. Someone who really seems to just understand where he is in his sport already at such a young age. 
and that is really quite a compliment to the guy. So I've got some more uh, virtual reality footage around him. You will see all of that coming onto YouTube very, very soon. Um, but we actually, we actually do need to talk about golf. It's a bit of a shorter show this week. As I said, I am kind of en route to Cape Town right now, but we have to talk about golf because we have to talk about Tiger Woods. Now, you know, you probably picked it up. I've been quite cynical about Tiger Woods the last few years because I believe he's done and dusted. That's it. He's taken, he's made some bad calls in his life. Um, he's burned the candle, not at every end, at every single angle. And it's just no ways he can compete again and he can be the tiger of old. And he's in his 40s now. You can't blame the dude. He's obviously has his physical issues, mental issues, relationship issues, issues and issues. And, uh, well, his comebacks I always take with a pinch of salt because there's far too much pressure on the guy. Expectation is still sky high. People are still pinning the hopes and dreams of the sport on Tiger. And I believe the game has moved on. And I don't believe Tiger, as we know him, has a real place. And we shouldn't really be worrying about it. Well, let me just say this last weekend, my views have maybe softened, maybe changed a little bit. That's because Tiger's got people cheering again. And uh, more about that just after this. Tiger Woods has driver in his hand at the short par 4 seventh. 336 to the hole today. Oh. How about that? Man, he asked for it to do something good. Great. Look at that shot. Just carried the bunker. He'll have that for Eagle. What a tee shot that was. I think it's makeable, Steve. There's not a lot of movement. It's back into the wind. Uh, some, a putt he can take a swing at. And I think that uh, obviously not only is this for two, but we've got some serious fist pump potential here if this can go. Tiger curls that one in for an eagle. Wow. Totally. Sunday Raw, Sunday Charges. I know he didn't, well, he didn't win. Uh, it's the Hero World Challenge. And people were crapping on all weekend. Like, you know, it's not a real tournament. It's only 18 people. It's Tiger's, like, you know, it's like, um, it's like canned hunting almost. But still, to the guy's credit, like his golf swing looks amazing right now. It doesn't look like, remember when Tiger used to make his comeback? He just looked like that uncle who, you know, used to be a pro and then he kind of started drinking heavily and had a car crash. Tiger looks good. Like he's getting through that ball bloody well. But like facially, whatever happened in rehab, he looks like he's, he's going to be a golfer again. He doesn't look like a sex offender or, you know, Tiger went through a really ropey patch. And I'm not just saying that his golf game, the guy looked like crap as well. But here he is. He's teeing it up with the guys again. And I think what's got me, like I said, I'm not changing my tune around this. I still don't believe he'll win another major. I still think he'll really battle to compete and actually win. But the guy looks like he, like he belongs again. You know, it's just the small mannerisms, the swagger he's got, the fact he's hitting the ball so well. I didn't believe he'll be able to hit it out there again the way he did. And I don't know what happened with the operation, but it was a work of absolute art because the guy is getting through like his spine is 20 years old. Remember the last time he came back to this hero thing? Yeah, he was okay. He shot like, you know, he had some birdies, but he made a lot of birdie, a lot of bogeys and he just looked like he looked like just tired the whole time. Then he went to Dubai, and we all know he broke down from there. So this time out, Tiger's looking good, and just his general demeanor is so much better. He seems to be one of the guys now. For so long in his career, he was always this robotic kind of like pace setter, and I guess he kind of had to be. You, know, you, you can't ever begrudge a sports star for being one-dimensional or lacking a bit of character and a little bit of vigor because all they are doing is focusing on getting the W. 
as Tiger used to say. But now, yeah, I know the Ryder Cup, the President's Cup, where he was part of the sort of backroom staff, kind of helped in getting this sort of um, impression of the guy out there. But he just seems genuinely likable. They interviewed him uh, this last weekend at the Hero World Challenge thing. And they were just going through his round. The guy was talking so animatedly about his shots, about what he did here, how he did there, what he was expecting to react when the ball got, did this. It was really fun to watch. It was like, it was Tiger the way we kind of want him to be. You know, it's like we can relate to him. He's going to stick around. There's something here. And I'm excited. Like, I, I'm, I'm all aboard. You know, I, I was never the biggest Tiger fan. I mean, I love what he did for the game. And I love watching him. He wasn't really a guy that I kind of ever sort of, you know, didn't really grow on me. Like most people lost their shit in a golfing term for Tiger. And I, I'm, I'm glad they did because he definitely threw golf into like another stratosphere. So I believe this time his management, he's learned so much in these different sort of setbacks he's had. I think he's had the right kind of break, the right operation. And of course that rehab, I think really was the final cherry on the success cake. I don't think he's going to be using, in using as what are the opioids? What are the opioids? It's, I don't know, sleep depressants or whatever it was. I don't think he's going to go back down that road. The guy looks better. I know there's like a bit of a facade and he's well trained press wise, but take it from me. I'm probably one of the biggest skeptics of Tiger and his whole marketing machine and all that kind of stuff. I think this is all looking very, very positive. So people were saying that he didn't do, you know, he was losing the ball rights on Saturday. He shot 75. Yeah, but Dustin Johnson, best player in the world, he shot 76 on Saturday. So Tiger eventually finished tied ninth. So he tied with Matt Kuchar. He had a very credible 68 in the final round. His rounds for the week were 69, 68, 75, 68. That 75 came, of course, when everybody was shooting in the 70s. Literally the entire field, and this is the best golfers in the world, not one of them shot under 70. 70 was the best score of the day, and that was Daniel Berger and Charlie Hoffman. Round four, he had a 68. So, who did he beat? Well, he beat Justin Thomas. Everyone said he's the greatest player in the world right now. Well, he beat him. He beat Kevin Kessner. He beat Alex Norrin. He beat Daniel Berger. He beat Wilderborn Dustin Johnson. He beat Kevin Chappell. He beat Henrik Stenson. And he beat Brooks Kepka. He beat Brooks Kepka by 11 shots. Take that. I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm not going to get ahead of myself here. I think there's various situations of what's going to happen with Tiger right now. Firstly, I mean, what events is he going to play? He's not exempt like he used to be. He, obviously, he'll get sponsored invites. Obviously, everybody wants him at, at their events. But will he make that trip over to Dubai? I mean, last time around, he went to Dubai. And I don't know if the long plane trip did anything bad for him or whatever it was, the promotional work. But back then, the guy was battling to sit down. It was terrible. I think he shot 78 in that first round. And then he just sort of walked off. And he was like, screw this. I'm done. So where he's going to play next is obviously the, the big next step for him. How how much he can play right now, how much he can grind, how much he can get through. Of course, he's exempt from most of those majors, seeing as, um, well, he's won so many. Um, so, yeah, Tiger's like he's already, he's people giving odds for the Masters. Sure, they're going to get ahead of themselves because that's what we do in the press, especially the mainstream media. But Tiger is looking good, and I'm so excited about this. One thing I, I do worry about, though, and again, this isn't me being skeptical. It's just me work, working from experience. Is that Tiger for the last few years, he's maintained that sort of Tiger aura because he was breaking down. So it's like we didn't see him at his best because he wasn't allowed to be his best. A lot of time has passed since 08 Tiger or the last time he was really winning. I think 2005. Should have probably researched this. Probably 2015, you know, he won his last tournament. I think it was Bay Hill. I stand to be corrected. A lot has passed since then. So my biggest fear is that Tiger, okay, firstly, he'll, he will be fit and strong and he managed to maintain. 
But I think it's going to be really difficult for him if he's at his best and he's doing his best and the best he can do is like a tied 15th of the Greensboro or, you know, he's making cuts and then he kind of just goes missing early Sunday. I think that'll be the biggest, the most bitter pill for him or Tiger fans to swallow. But, you know, over the last few years, he's maintained this aura because he's only been playing badly because he physically is breaking down. What happens if he does manage the whole season of playing and he can't even crack a top 20? This here World Challenge was was encouraging, but there's so much more to golf. And the rest of these guys here that he beats, that I just named, sure, it's a feat right now. And it's a great comeback thing. But when it comes to actual game time and you're in front of big crowds, you're in front of big pressure, big golf courses, not these resort courses, well, then we're going to see the real Tiger. And, um, well, just say hopes are pretty high. But the big golfer for the weekend, while everyone was watching Tiger and getting excited about Tiger, and rightly so, Ricky Fowler. Can you believe it? He was seven shots back going into the final round of the Hero World Challenge. Charlie Hoffman had the lead, and Ricky was seven shots back. Well, he birdied his first seven holes. He shot 28 in the front nine, and he just kept going. A bit more subdued in the back, but then again, how do you maintain seven out, seven out of seven for your first few holes? And uh, he ended up winning by four. He shot a 61 in the final round. Absolutely incredible. And again, I know everyone's going to say, well, this is the year he'll finally win a major. I think that's the last thing we should all be talking about. It's just so great that we have all these amazing golfers. And 2018 is going to be incredible. Ricky's my man, my favorite golfer. You know, I back him to the end. And uh, people say that sometimes he battles to really go low. Well, 61. 61 on a Sunday. The next best score was 67 by Tommy Fleetwood. So he was basically lapping the field on Sunday. And it was an absolute delight to see. It was also really funny to see Jordan Spieth dressed in a soft orange. Not Ricky's full orange, but a soft orange, high-fiving him during the interview. Golf is in a great place, and I'm so, so, so very excited about that. So, yeah, I think that kind of wraps up the show. Um, sorry I'm not in the studio this week, but, yeah, it's just a very busy time of year for me, trying to get through a lot of events. Lots coming on the YouTube channel. Currently in Cape Town for the Cape Town 7s. I'm driving down. Um, Suzuki's asked me to drive down in their Vitara. So basically put together a fans kind of guide to Cape Town. And um, look, I'll be the first to jump on any good opportunity to create content for you. So more videos coming around that in this car and what I got up to down in Cape Town. Follow me on Twitter at follow the bounce. Otherwise on Instagram, you can follow my stories there. That is just the bounce and the YouTube channel at follow the bounce. I think that's it. I can't really plug too much else. Like I said, I don't want to touch on, to the, on the box too much. It is what it is. Um, you know, Rusty Erasmus is now officially at, at Saru. He's in charge there. He's going to be basically heading up things from the rugby perspective. Hopefully that will see some sort of a change. Whether that change is involving Alice Kutsia, not involving Alice Kutsia, maybe he is the change. Look again, he is a scapegoat for a lot of the bigger issues that are happening in Saru right now. How the top brass, so to speak, can preside over such a dreadful last two seasons is beyond me. You know, the, the, the fish rots from the head, as they always say. And it's very, very smelly and sorry right now. So I wish Rusty Erasmus all the best of luck. I wish you a fantastic weekend. Blitzbox all the way in Cape Town is going to be hugely exciting. And, uh, well, there's always other sport in the go as well. Premier League's looking pretty solid. There's the Ashes. That's until, yeah, mid-December. Sorry, until mid-December. Early Jan. More sport next week. We're going to start recapping 2017. It's been a fantastic year in various um, aspects, ways, shapes, and forms. I should be recapping some of the best stories there. I'll also be talking to some of my, my favorite guests. I'll get them to chime back in about what their, what their take on 2017 was. And again, looking forward to 2018. 
so much to look forward to. The FIFA World Cup is one of them. Thanks so much for joining me this week. And uh, for more, catch me every Monday to Friday on the Gareth Cliff Show here on Cliff Central. And that is 6.30 South African time to listen live. Otherwise, catch the daily podcast. Well, you'll see them on my Twitter feed at Follow the Bounce. Thanks for joining me. Two more shows of the year to go. December, we're going to wrap it up. And we're going to take a big sports break together. Anyway, chat soon. Ciao. This is cliffcentral.com.